Folks, we're in a code orange. Repeat, we're in a code orange. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 965-KPEL. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon, as I am every afternoon on the weekdays from 3 to 4. Folks, we're in a code orange. What does that mean? Well, it seems, it, it seems that conservatives are seizing on a story about Stacey Abrams. I'm sorry. I, I regret to inform you, conservatives are responding to a story about a Democrat. Now, the, the, the story about the Democrats is not an actual story. I need you to understand that. I need you to know that Stacey Abrams, sitting in a photo, in a classroom, wearing no mask, surrounded by children who are all forced to wear a mask, that's not a story. But you know what it is a story? The way conservatives are reacting to her social media post posting the picture. I regret to inform you that we are now in code orange. The headline from the Washington Post, GOP rivals seize on Stacey Abrams' maskless classroom photo as her campaign calls criticism silly. Now, what do I mean by code orange? Well, you remember the Bush administration came out with the color scheme, the color codes for terror alerts, right? A couple years ago, I decided after seeing a bunch of these conservative reaction stories from the media, because, again, it's always how Republicans are involved in the story. That is the story. When it's a negative story about Democrats, we've got to focus on how the Republicans are responding to it. So what I did actually hang on real quick. I'm going to post this to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show. You can see it there. Uh, Time to fire up conservative outrage color code. All right, we're going to publish that. So now you can go to my Facebook page and you can see what I'm talking about. But we have these color codes, okay? Just like we had uh, code yellow, code orange, all this from the Bush administration. I've redone that for your convenience so you can know exactly how much conservatives are reacting to a story about a Democrat. And in this case, we are in code orange. Code orange is seizing. Conservatives are angry about it. Chances are race is involved in some way. That's code orange. And you can bet that racism and misogyny are being thrown out there right now as people respond to this story. The other codes, by the way, uh, code green is react. Journalists should uh, scour social media for small, meaningless Twitter accounts, probably with no profile pictures, tweeting about this story. Code blue is respond. Conservatives are responding to a story. A few pundits and lawmakers have caught wind of it and have something to say. Then we get to the most common one, code yellow, which is pounce. Conservatives pounce on something in the media. A lot of conservative pundits and writers have picked up on it, and it's trending on Twitter. That's always important because the media lives on Twitter, and they get all of their views and all of their talking points from what everybody in their bubble is saying on Twitter. Then, of course, is Code Orange, where we are seizing. Conservatives are seizing on this story today. And then there is uh, Code Red, which is conservatives are railing on a story. Conservative reaction is so out of control on social media that there are lots of blog posts about it. That is the color scheme. So right now we are in a Code Orange situation. Conservatives are seizing on this story about Stacey Abrams being maskless in a classroom while other kids around her are being told to wear their mask. And it's not just, by the way, I, I need you to understand. It's not that it was just school policy that the kids had to wear a mask. The Abrams campaign made sure that all kids were wearing a mask before she took a photo with them. 
See, in this part of Georgia, it's kind of a mixed bag. But this part is a fairly progressive school district. And so they still, in many, play, in many schools, have these mask mandates going. And a lot of them actually don't even let parents or visitors on campus, but they will let Stacey Abrams on campus. And there's actually, I saw uh, a couple of actually progressive parents, and they said so in their tweets. They are progressive. Uh, they, they are Democrats. Um, they said, one of them said, run-of-the-mill Democrats. And they're not even allowed to go on campus to meet with a teacher about their special needs child. But Stacey Abrams can make a campaign stop for a photo op at a school. This is nuts. Then we have the breaking news out just a little while ago. The Virginia Supreme Court has ruled against parents and has ruled against Glenn Youngkin's uh, banning of mask mandates in Virginia. Now, how does this play into Louisiana? Because, again, we're a show in South Louisiana. This does play into our own state politics as well. We have in our state a Democratic Party on the decline, but trying, trying. And, and you can see the headlines out there. We're going to talk about some of the headlines actually in a little while about the, the shifting to more majority-minority districts. And specifically the congressional district, trying to come up with a second Democratic congressional district. This is what we will see more of as the Democratic Party is trying to shift all sorts of otherwise deep red areas blue. Now, again, where this happened with Stacey Abrams is a fairly liberal area in the Atlanta area. Atlanta is kind of a, a fairly big Democratic hotspot in an otherwise fairly red state, but Atlanta's size and demographics tend to keep the state fairly purple, although trending toward the red. In Louisiana, if the Democrats win again for governor in 2023, and if they manage due to Republican infighting and Republicans not able to do the job that they've been elected to do, if Democrats start to gain power in the state again, which they are trying very hard to do, you're going to see this, the same type of nonsense here. Stacey Abrams in Georgia ran a very fantastic campaign in getting out voters and starting to make good shifts in the state legislature there. Her playbook is now going to be used by Democratic parties in other states. So this ridiculousness with masks in our schools with how the media is treating Democrats, even when they screw up or do something really silly like this. And this is very silly. It's so silly that the resulting blow-up actually appears to have led a, a Abrams campaign staffer to be fired because there was a job posting for social media manager for the uh, Abrams campaign that was floating around today. And it is real. We looked into it. It is real. But it's silly. But they get cover for it just like the Democrats right now are getting cover in their demands and their court, their, 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 uh, their lawsuit threats on redistricting. I want to talk about that here in a little bit. We're going to go ahead and take a break, though. Uh, 
I just blanked on the number. 232-1542. When we come back from this break, I'm sorry, guys. I'm kind of everywhere right now. We're going to take a break, and we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. Glad to be with you guys. You want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. You can also join me for the conversation online, Twitter, at Joe P. Cunningham, and on Facebook, where I have the conservative outrage chart posted, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can find us there and check out that as well as uh, usually I, I post the links to the stuff I write there. Uh, I did not write anything today. It was, it's just, you know, again, sometimes you just got to take a break, step back. But now uh, I, we need to try to pull some threads together here because there's a lot going on in the state of Louisiana that's all tied together. So let's start with the redistricting. We're still seeing stories that are coming out. In fact, there's one uh, by Mark Ballard at The Advocate. He is the Capitol Bureau Chief uh, for The Advocate newspapers. Um, let me find... It, it's... It's I gotta find the story, but the the story itself, uh, I, I don't have the headline in front of me. I, I jotted down some notes on it because it's clear that Mark Ballard, the Capitol Bureau editor at the Advocate, um, is is really in line with the talking points right now, and and not necessarily the the actual facts on the ground. In Baton Rouge. The fight is over. Uh, the creation of new majority minority districts in the state. Here it is. Mark Ballard, Louisiana redistricting likely headed for the courts. Now, this has been threatened since the beginning. Before even any maps were kind of revealed to the public, we knew that Cleo Fields and other Democrats were saying this is going to the court system. If the legislature won't pass it, the courts will, was the quote. Here's how Ballard starts the story. No lawmaker will say it aloud, though several privately admit to the strategy of asking the courts to redistrict Louisiana should Republican legislators fail to voluntarily give up power. There's the key. There's the line here. It is incumbent on Republicans to just give up their power. Now, I'm no fan of the Republican Party of the state of Louisiana, but given their numbers in the legislature... Given the numbers of statewide elections they've won, with the exception of the gubernatorial race the last two times, statewide positions, congressional positions, Senate positions, the Republicans very clearly have power in the state, and it's not due to gerrymanders, due to the voice of the people. The big talking point right now is that Louisiana is one-third black citizen. One-third of the population is black. And therefore, of six congressional seats, that should mean two of them are, ma are majority-minority districts. So it gets us to the subject of gerrymandering. What exactly is gerrymandering? Because there are a lot of different definitions. And the definitions are changing fairly constantly. The official dictionary definition to manipulate the boundaries of an, of an electoral constituency so as to favor one party or class. 
achieve a result by manipulating the boundaries of an electoral constituency. So when we talk about gerrymandering, what we're talking about is drawing these funny little districts that carve out certain groups of voters, which is how the process always is. Now, the problem comes in with how do you make sure that you aren't unfairly suppressing one vote, one vote, in this case, black voters. And that is a very real concern in the state of Louisiana. There is historical precedent to show that in Louisiana, as well as in states across the South, yes, that has happened. And the court systems have had to get involved. The problem, though, is that with that one-third of the state that is black, is minority, you still have two situations on the ground. The first is that Republicans are still continuing to get about two-thirds, a little shy of two-thirds of the seats in the legislature with a, with a decent number of majority-minority districts and a, and a decent number of Democratic districts. Republicans through no fault of gerrymandering, but through the fault of the Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana, have won more than what you would think is their fair share, considering that not every Democrat in the state is a black voter. In fact, one-third of the Democratic voters in the state are white. According to the numbers, we know that about 60% of the Democratic voters are black. So about 40%, so a little under two-thirds, is black and one-third is white. So Republicans, just based on the numbers, are winning more than their fair share. But not because of gerrymandering, but because the Democratic Party has been absolutely failing to make its case in the state. The other problem here is the issue of gerrymandering. When is gerrymandering good and when is it not? Because the way the population is distributed in the state of Louisiana, it's very difficult to draw anything resembling a normal-looking congressional district if your focus is to make another majority-minority district. And that's the battle being had in the legislature right now. Right now, the maps being put forward by Republican leadership really maintain the status quo, with the exception of a couple of seats in the legislature shifting. Um... I know Natchitoches is, uh, under the current proposal, under Sheck Snyder's proposal, Natchitoches, where I'm from, is losing a state, and that, uh, losing a, uh, a House seat, uh, or the, the lines are getting shifted a bit. The, 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 pop, the, the center of that district was, seat, it was in Natchitoches, and that district's kind of basically being drawn out and moved away from Natchitoches and being recreated in the New Orleans area. And I, the Senate is redrawing, I think, one in the northwestern part of the state um, under uh, Paige Cortez's proposal that would uh, draw it out, primarily because the income, I mean, in, in both these cases, in the House and the Senate plan, the, redistrict, the redistricting is going to take out a seat that is uh, currently occupied by somebody who's term limited. So... 
you're looking at maps that are going to relatively maintain the status quo. I still think that there will be a compromise where you end up with more majority minority districts in the legislature and the status quo in Congress. And the reason is, again, it's much easier to draw those majority minority districts at a smaller scale like state legislative seats. And it's much easier to get black voters better population representation in the state legislature than in Congress because those districts are massive and they are drawn very funny already. I think you can probably, if you want, if it's really about how equitable you're making it, I think you could probably come up with a more purple district. And I still think uh, Johnson, uh, Congressman Johnson and Graves, their districts are the most likely to see that. But who's, who's to say? I've heard some whispers from folks who have a pretty good inkling on this, that the, the ultimate negotiation is going to come down to Republicans and black Democrats drawing out white Democratic districts. And that could very well be the case. But of course, you've got to go through the negotiating process. And that's why everybody's focused on the lawsuit aspect right now. Now, let me add in this wrinkle. Because we still talk about, even if the maps don't change all that much, you're still looking at one-third of the state being black voters, the vast majority, almost all of whom, are Democrat. Enter Billy Nungesser. Billy Nungesser is going to be running for governor as a Republican, but he is going to be playing it pretty much moderate. And he has the ability where other possible Republican candidates don't. In that he can go out under his duty as lieutenant governor, focusing on tourism, like he's doing right now. Right now, Billy Nungesser is creating the civil rights trail. And he's going around the states promoting it, state promoting it. It is Black History Month, and he is focusing his office's efforts on recognizing civil rights in the state of Louisiana. He's laying the groundwork right now to make a play as a moderate Republican to win over black voters. I'm not saying what he's doing is entirely political, but it's very well calculated to be at this point in time. And that's key. He can't really do it while he's openly campaigning for governor next year, and he couldn't do it any time before this because it was too early. But right now is a great time for him to do it as lieutenant governor, but also to make sure folks know about it when it comes time to elect him governor in 2023. Race is going to play a huge part in state politics in the coming statewide election cycle. Whether the districts in the, con in the congressional races and the state, legisla state legislative races look any different, race will be a huge part of it. Nungesser realizes it, the state legislature realizes it, the current governor realizes it. And that's going to make this fight very, very interesting and also fairly bitter. 232-1542, we're going to take another break. Let's look at some national stuff when we come back, including canceling comedians. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. 
you may not be familiar with Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr is a British Irish uh, comedian. He is fairly well known in Britain. He is the host of several shows that are popular on TV there. He is a longtime stand up comedian. Uh, there's a lot of people in Britain who know who he is. He had recently a new stand up special on Netflix called His Dark Material. And he, Jimmy Carr's stand up routine is controversial to say, to say the least. He, he takes dark routes. He, he takes kind of these uh, zig and zag type things where he's going one way and then all of a sudden he goes in another direction that can border on the offensive, but people laugh at it because of the, it's just, it's not like super shocking type stuff, but it is like you didn't expect him to go there. It is kind of a shock to, to hear that punchline. He made a joke in this special that went viral on Friday. And I'm, I'm not going to say the joke because I don't, you know, want people to say, oh, well, he's saying the same. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, it's not a joke that I find tasteful, but people laughed at it. And it was a joke that concerned the Holocaust, Jews, and gypsies. And you have the British government now wanting to pass legislation to hold Netflix accountable for offensive streams. And you have the people of you have the people in Britain who want to cancel him, arrest him, all this stuff. Now Carr, very admirably, is standing up to the "that's not funny" mob. Um, he wrote it, delivered it, explained the joke and the history around it while he was telling it, and then defended the joke. But now. After this weekend, people are offended and they want to, to cancel him too. Joe Rogan, a comedian who has a very, very popular podcast, is now up on the canceling block. There were actually, I think, about 100 episodes of Rogan's podcast that were pulled from Spotify that he pulled from Spotify. His, his people pulled from Spotify, didn't pull it themselves according to Spotify and according to Rogan. At issue there, um, a, gr a, 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 a group uh, pulled up the fact that Rogan used the N-word in uh, an episode of the podcast. I think quoting somebody else. But this is a push to get Rogan deplatformed and to bring all sorts of pressure to Spotify. You have Dave Chappelle. They've tried to cancel him, and he stood by. Netflix has thankfully stood by. I think Netflix will stand by. Netflix is actually a very progressive company, but they'll stand by Chappelle and Carr. They have. Spotify right now is still standing by Rogan. They're going after comedians. They're going after... Writers who are not at the platforms that the media and the left loves. They're going after people who do not subscribe to all of their thoughts and all of their wishes and everything. They wish to deplatform any opposition. 
this isn't a freedom of speech issue because the freedom of speech, again, applies to the government attempting to silence speech. But this is a very, very close second. The deplatforming of oppositional voices is a tactic that's used by people who are not winning. CNN, the mainstream media, they love to go after Fox News because not only is Fox News doing what they do, but from a center-right perspective, but they do it better. The ratings show that. The New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, all the mainstream news outlets have podcasts out there. NPR, they all have podcasts out there. They don't come anywhere close to the numbers that Joe Rogan and others get. The only lefty group that gets anywhere close is the podcast Pod Save America. They're one of the top ones, but they're the only ones who are really capable of doing it. Everybody else out there sucks. They're going after websites like Substack. I have a Substack, kitchenpundit.substack.com. All of my writing goes there. The podcast is hosted through there. The podcast of this show. I'm not a big enough person to be targeted by the left, by the that's not funny, by the super woke mob, anybody like that. I'm just not. Frankly, I'm not controversial enough. I don't intend to be. But there are people on Substack who are routinely targeted, and Substack itself is targeted through media hits from the New York Times, from the Washington Post, and elsewhere. Because Substack offers a platform to people who are not journalism school journalists who are of the left and work at these major platforms. If you do what they do better than they do it, they want you canceled. Some of the loudest voices against Chappelle are lefty comedians. Chappelle, by the way, is not a conservative. Neither is Jimmy Carr. Chappelle is very much a progressive. Carr is in not just an atheist, but anti-religious atheist. Like almost at Bill Maher levels. Bill Maher is not a, is not a, con- a conservative. But these guys are getting treated as such. Rogan's not a conservative. Rogan's had something like 1,700 podcast episodes. 126 of the guests have been of the right. Well, they claim of the right. If you actually look at the list, it's a bunch of lefty lunatics who are saying stuff about vaccines and COVID-19 that the left has deemed uh, extreme and therefore they must be conservative. They're thinking that crazy. If you do not live among them, reside in their bubbles, think the things they think, say the things they say, support the things they support, you need to be deplatformed. If you are a platform that hosts things anathema to the progressive mindset, to the journalism mindset, to the mainstream media mindset, I shouldn't say journalism, I should say the mainstream media mindset, you need to be canceled. Your system is obviously broken because you're letting lunatics and fringe idiots on. That's the way they think. They want to deplatform any opposing voices. Right now, 
they have a barely cognizant president. A White House that is constantly attacking each other, attacking itself in the press. An administration that is sniping at each other. They have a 50-50 tie in the Senate, but they can get nothing done even with a tie-breaking vote because they can't even get to the 50 they need to need a tie-breaking vote. They have uh, a handful of seats of an advantage in the House, but can't really get much done there. They're losing. At the local level now, they're losing on education issues. Students are walking out of school over mask mandates. Parents are fighting back against mask mandates. Parents are fighting back on the issue of curricula. They are losing on virtually all fronts. They're losing Hispanic voters because they keep insisting on this Latinx thing. And poll after poll shows that is hugely unpopular among Latino and Hispanic voters. They're losing. And their only option is to silence and deplatform. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation when we come back after the break. A little bit more on this and uh, maybe one or two other stories that are out there right now. We'll look at that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Uh, it looks like Democrat governors are abandoning the Biden administration on school mask mandates. This is from my buddy Brandon Morris at Red State, my co-worker and uh, fellow editor over there. Try as they might, the Democrats aren't holding the line on mask mandates. And despite the Biden administration attacking Republican governors who refuse to issue them, Democrat governors themselves seem to be retreating from the issue as they learn it's a losing battle. The polling has to be atrocious here. You have the New Jersey and Democratic governors, both Democrats, lifting mask mandates in various ways, namely in schools in their states. You have uh, Ted Lieu, a congressman and somewhat of a lunatic, on social media talking about how uh, how uh, immunity isn't permanent with the with the vaccine and how we need to be ready to transition out of this. The former director of Planned Parenthood is now out saying we need to ease ourselves back in. The head of the teachers unions are all saying the same thing. The polling has to be atrocious for Democrats right now. And it's not just on this issue. Despite the author's deflection, new sales numbers show DC Comics woke Superman is a loser. So if you have not heard this story, a few months back, several months back, I think, Superman, the, the Superman we all know, Clark Kent, in the comics went off world for some reason. And he left the Superman title to his son. His son is uh, his, his son is bisexual, has a boyfriend. And the author went on this massive tweet thread. And this was a big pride thing for DC. And it was really in your face. And the sales numbers are now showing people do not care about it at all. They're really not interested in the son of Kal-El and his sexuality. There are other characters in comics, DC in particular, which is which is gone, uh, has gone woke uh, in a lot of ways. 
they did a whole a whole special pride issue looking at various LGBT characters. But several of their characters, they've addressed it, I think, appropriately. Um, Tim Drake, a character who is one of the Robins that's worked under Batman, is uh, bisexual. But it's not in your face. It's been briefly mentioned, I think, a couple times. Um, Harley Quinn is a lesbian in a, in a relationship with Poison Ivy in the Batman comics. Um, and you see others from around. For some reason, it's always the Bat family. It's always the Batman-related comics that you're really seeing a lot of. It. But anyway, these always get played up. But it never really amounts to a whole lot in terms of actual effect on the, the comic book's continuity. I know this is probably boring to a lot of you, but there's, there's a point here. So again, the polling doesn't look good on masking. So Democrats are starting to walk it back. Even, even though the Biden administration is stubbornly planting its flag right there on masking. The polling must not look good because Democrats around the country are giving up on it. They're walking back from it moving away from it. I just mentioned before the break, one, two segments ago, whatever it is, I'm, I'm losing track of everything. Hispanic voters are walking away from the Democratic Party, not in huge numbers, but in noticeable numbers. They are the reason, or one of the big reasons, that Republicans swept in Virginia back in November. And Hispanic and Latino voters are not happy with the whole Latinx label that they're being put on them. Because again, Spanish, Portuguese, these, these, these romantic languages are gendered languages. So to say Latina or Latino is to accept the traditional gendered language of these people, of their culture. And to force Latinx is to enforce this non-binary, non-gendered, very woke mentality that a fairly socially conservative group of people, a demographic, don't actually ascribe to. You have Billy Nungesser making a play for black votes in the state of Louisiana with this massive civil rights trail. All over you are seeing Democrats who once believed that demography is destiny now losing on demography. They're not holding the numbers they used to hold. There are things that are shifting because, as I said at the beginning, the Democrats are losing on ideas. They are not able to maintain their position, maintain their hold in the game of ideas. And so what do they do? They try to get Dave Chappelle kicked off of Netflix. Try to get Jimmy Carr kicked off of Netflix. Try to get Joe Rogan kicked off of Spotify. Get conservatives and other, let's say, uh, non, non, uh, non-acolytes to their mindset off of Substack. Try to get Substack itself taken down. Facebook doesn't do enough to ban conservatives. They want to go after Facebook. I need, I'm going to have more on that tomorrow because one of our own U.S. senators is involved in that. 
They constantly are harassing Twitter into banning conservatives, and they are often very successful at that. There is no winning on ideas for them right now, and so as a result, they are moving to deplatform everyone that they dislike, everyone who says something offensive, everyone who is not part of their social justice political crusade. And that is bad for the Democrats. It is a clear sign that they are losing. Can the Democrats win? Possibly. Stacey Abrams in Georgia might be able to pull it off. But do you know why she's about to pull it off? Because the moment her little mask story got out there, David Perdue, who's running for governor against both incumbent Brian Kemp and challenger Stacey Abrams, his campaign's first move was to attack Brian Kemp over it. A Republican attacking another Republican over a Democrat going maskless in a school that forces masks. In Louisiana, Republicans attacking Republicans have given the gubernatorial mansion, the governor's mansion, to Democrats twice in a row. If there is anyone who can stop the bleeding in the Democratic Party, folks, it's the Republican Party. And they need to figure it out fast. They need to stop fighting past fights, and they need to, they need to move forward and fight forward. It's the only way it will work. At Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, KitchenPundit.Substack.com, and RedState.com, all the places you can find me. I'll join you guys again in 23 hours. Thank you all for listening here to the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL.